This is 680 CJOB. Hey everybody, it's Kevin Bergen and this is The Main Ingredient and today I'm talking with Adrian from The Main Street Project and Scott who is one of the owners of Three Guys Greens about a dinner they're putting on for the residents at The Main Street Project on December 30th. Scott, let's start with you and let's talk about what Three Guys Greens is about and how it got started. I've got three big pulls in my life, my family, my career and now my passion which is this local food company came out of nowhere and uh, <clears throat> without a, a really long conversation with my wife I started it <laughs> with oh yeah honey um, <laughs> you know when you're sleeping and I've been staying up late so, by the way <laughs> the, the passion came from uh, constantly running into problems sourcing food during the winter specifically um, knowing that a case of tomatoes can go up by 200% uh, in the middle of January uh, last year, at one point, uh, with the golf course, I had a case of celery that was over two hundred dollars. Come on now. Yeah. So and that's for that's for twenty four pieces. So, um, some guy in a jacket came up and sold it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like somebody pulls up with the uh, with a leather jacket in the back lane. Back and, of the trunk. No doubt. Yeah, buy it off the truck kind <laughs> of thing. So, um, knowing that most of that is coming because of uh, the climate shifts that are happening. The the uh, inability to supply regular, consistent food sources from Mexico and Southern California and Arizona, all those places that are that are regularly providing us with our produce, uh, they're having problems, you know, supporting themselves. So we end up taking the brunt of it uh, as far as financially, um, and then environmentally, knowing that there's uh, you know hundreds of trucks daily that are that are driving back and forth using all the fuels that, uh, you know, could be used to, uh, for something maybe a little bit more localized. We'd rather that those resources be used on, on something more local. So uh, just recently we discussed how, how, you know, our company pretty much runs on water and electricity for the most part and passion. So we have tons of water in Manitoba and tons of electricity. So it, it had, in another macro sense, we're actually supporting the Manitoba economy by creating this business that goes and uses those resources that we have locally, as opposed to, uh, you know, using transport and stuff like that, that may cause a little more environmental problems. So it's, uh, it's, it's come around in the last, uh, six months where we've actually started producing and selling products. Uh, the first, you know, 12 to 16 or 18 months was a lot of planning and getting things organized and trying to find out exactly what we were going to do and and who we wanted to be partnered with and, and moving forward that way. But I've never really heard of this kind of thing before. So how did how did this come about for you? Like how did this, so, are there a lot of people doing it in Manitoba or in North America? Period? So there's not a lot actually. When we started in, uh, in North America, there was probably three different organizations that had uh, that had a website. Mm -hmm. uh, there may be other people doing it in their homes, uh, incorporating these kind of technologies. Uh, but primarily, I saw after Fukushima in Japan, um, they couldn't grow produce outdoors anymore. They had to go indoors. Um, they were retrofitting uh, silicone chip factories and things like that, where uh, they had really high-functioning high, uh, high functioning buildings that were, were able to 
to take in this new technology and and create the uh, the ability to grow indoors as opposed to being reliant on uh, the sun and and rain outdoors we are now able to use our own lighting systems to control how long the plants are receiving their their light we can control the nutrients we can control the humidity and the temperature there's no pests there's no pesticides herbicides or sprays of any sorts um, we can keep it as organic as we possibly can using the like non-gmo seeds uh, most of the places that we we deal with are all canadian companies as well so we again try to support as many companies uh, through the you know the local aspect first Right, so it's as perfect an environment for in order to grow something as, as you can possibly get. We call it an optimized growing environment. So uh, based, on, based on each individual plant that you're growing, you can actually uh, you can tweak your environment to make it, uh, make it the most efficient. Um, you know, depending on, on which you're growing, you can use nutrient levels to, to optimize it as well. So um, by creating a, a better uh, nutrient uh, reservoir, or, or your water source that uh, you can actually create a better plant out of that as well. Okay, so if I'm growing different things, can I adjust different areas to grow different things better? You, you can, definitely. Uh, the, the idea that we have is to create separate systems so that each system is specifically designed for that plant. Right. Uh, tomatoes or for lettuces or for basils, they all have different pH balances that they need um, and different uh, nutrient levels of, of different sorts that are required to, to grow them uh, effectively and, and again to optimize their, their growth so that we're getting the most volume out of the product in the least amount of time. Do you think you would have thought of this idea about doing this idea if you weren't a chef who needed it? It absolutely was a driving force in getting us uh, started. Um, my partner Adam and I, we actually, the, the conversation where it really all kind of came out, the aha moment was sitting on his patio across from the ledge building, eating cherry tomatoes from his patio that uh, we both said, there's, you can't, they don't taste like this when you buy them from the store. Mm -hmm. And the problem is that they've been harvested before they've been ripened. They've been put onto a truck and they've been gassed when they get here with, with different uh, uh, things that they use in the, in the industry to help ripen foods. But the fact is they haven't finished their cycle naturally. So we're getting food that's not, uh, again, optimized for nutrition and for, uh, for consumption where it's being, uh, we have a saying at the golf course, is this for our convenience or for their convenience? So if we're doing something that is for our, in this situation, the grower's convenience, mm -hmm. uh, so that we can make sure that the product is going to last from uh, from Southern California all the way to Manitoba, or is this for our customer's convenience where the product is designed to be the best tasting, the freshest quality product? So that's what we're doing at Three Guys Greens is we're trying to provide a product that uh, it's literally harvested the day that it's being delivered um, right now we're serving our micro trays are coming out of the system friday mornings and they're delivered before noon so the uh, the restaurants that it's being served to is is they're they're guaranteed the product is is as fresh as it can possibly get we've also done lots of trials to find out exactly when the products will be their best quality as well so that the the customer gets the, the best shelf life as well. Um, we're interested in them being able to use the product as long as possible. Being a chef myself, I know that uh, 
you don't want to have a product that's only going to last one day you want to make sure that you're getting the best bang for your buck uh, so that's the goal is to give them product that they can use for a week and then uh, we'll have a recurring sales with them and, and we can return the next week with a new fresh tray for them and they can keep going back with more about three guys greens and the main street project after a few lovely commercials see you in a minute We're back here on The Main Ingredient. Kevin Bergen here with Adrian from The Main Street Project and Scott, one of the owners from Three Guys Greens, talking about the dinner that's coming up for the residents of The Main Street Project. Scott, about Three Guys Greens, what was the planning phase like in order to create a business such as yours? The first 18 months of planning the business was a lot of uh, almost pie-in-the-sky ideas, uh, ways in which that we could change the world. Uh, we wanted to be an innovator in Manitoba, uh, we joined Innovate Manitoba in 2016. Uh, we placed fourth out of out of the companies there. Um, as far as uh, coming up with the new groundbreaking ideas for for agriculture, we're definitely on the forefront there. But we 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 want to create food security not just for Manitobans but for for northern uh, northern communities. Uh, we've got a, a partner through our Futurepreneur. Uh, mentorship program that's that's got some access up into into northern communities and we really would like to to take some of this technology up there to provide some that would some be a healthy, really good thing hey yes it, wow. it's uh, as far as uh, Churchill goes uh, being in Winnipeg we all have connections to Churchill mm -hmm. and seeing what's happening up there right now uh, it, it really does affect us uh, and, and it makes us upset that there's no uh there's there hasn't been some proactive actions going on to to save that or uh, to to at least give them uh an ability to provide something for themselves if we could get up there or to uh, none of it and a callowit uh where the produce is, is a bigger issue then uh, then i think that's that's really our our goal is 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 for that kind of expansion hmm. how did you come up with the name of the company is it actually three guys it was three guys <laughs> and, and it's not three guys anymore. But we do we do uh, maintain that uh, there there are two people in this business, and there is a third person that that's unsaid regularly, and that's the customer. Mm. And we we don't talk about that often. But without the customer, we wouldn't have this business, and without the customer, we wouldn't have the information to uh, to make our product better. Uh, being a chef, uh, we have an opportunity to speak chef to chef. Uh, at at the restaurants, so that uh, I can I can speak in chef lingo, uh, without all the cursing and throwing pots and pans, <laughs> where we can actually we can get to the nuts and bolts of of how we can optimize the product for their their personal uses. Um, I think the biggest issue again goes back to whose convenience is it for, and we're focusing on the conveniences for the chef and for the consumer, and making sure that the products that they're getting is what they're they're asking for and not uh, not just a product that we're growing we also produce right now only for orders so as opposed to uh, producing a regular surplus of of inventory that we're focused on trying to sell each week oh so it's we, like grown to order we grow to order so it's it's almost a CSA in that uh, we do recurring sales with our with our businesses we grow based on what we know they're gonna order there's mm -hmm. occasions where people they don't have a busy week. They haven't gone through products, so they have to, they have to uh, back off. Maybe only order one tray instead of two. But uh, for the most part, we run zero waste at the end of the day. As far as uh, as far as our product, we don't we don't overproduce, and uh, and we want to make sure that what we are producing is going to good use. Um, 
so when it, when it comes to uh, to our customers, uh, we get to talk to them, you know, daily as far as uh, if there was a product that wasn't exactly the, how they wanted it, we can, adjust we can go it. back and adjust it. Yeah. Right, and same with the volumes too, right? Like, let's say they have a big event coming up or whatever, they can tell you in advance. So that's the that's been the biggest challenge for us is is informing them of the growing cycle. Uh, most of our products are only ten day turnaround, so it it makes things fairly simple for mm-hmm. for the industry to to get around. But there are the last minute uh, banquets or last minute events that do come up that cause problems for for our chefs. Uh, we find that the for the most part they can they can let us know. They know when uh, when the majority of the the events are coming. Weddings, for example, are one of the main uh, main components for microgreens right now that that we see increasing in trend. Anyway, that uh, lots of people really like to have that Instagram photo uh, for their wedding dishes and stuff like that. So what? Uh, so nobody's getting married on ten days' notice. So really, yeah. So we're <laughs> and so Vegas, we're, they do. We're pretty good on that as far as uh, as far as uh, planning out. Um, lots of our uh, lots of our customers are big, uh, big restaurants or or big catering firms that they have everything's pretty much planned out. So for sure, uh, just ma- maintaining that communication and making sure that we are aware of when they're having their their uh, busy times, we can we can jump on and make sure that we've got extra product growing. Uh, we've produced two extra racks in the last uh, month and a half that we're now capable of producing almost a hundred trays a week. Oh, nice! So we're We've got more volume than we can than we can deal with right now as far as uh, ability. So now we're just focused on making sure that we get that product to the customer in a timely fashion. Right, I'm sure the customer too. When you bring on new customers, they have to learn the process. It, like it's a, it's a different way of thinking for them it as is. far as ordering mm-hmm. uh, things goes is. too, right? So with the with the food service industry, uh, the product that we've been selling or the product that we do sell is considered a special order item through all the bigger. Uh, industry or the, the food service providers they have to fly it from vancouver from a specialty location um so the cost is is you know in the orders of of two or three hundred percent of what we're, we're right all that's factored in right because they're they're talking about jet fuel and and all that being uh, being included so so we know that being local uh we c- we have a captive audience as far as the product is uh we can we can maintain the sales because uh we're we're there weekly talking with them and they can actually uh they can actually get to know the uh, the growth cycles themselves mm-hmm. and, and they know that they could call on on a tuesday because uh this this particular product that they like only takes five days mm-hmm. uh, whereas they also would understand there's some specialty items like herbs that take a little bit longer that if they're interested they do have to give us a little bit of notice and and it, so it, it becomes a bit of a challenge that way. But uh, for the most part, our customers are very, uh, very open with the conversations. Mm-hmm. I mean, nowadays with <coughs> email texting, and it's it's impossible to get away from uh, to get away from your business for even a half hour. I know it's great. <laughs> it's good. It's good and bad, right? It's amazing. I mean, uh, it's it's great that I can sit at home and and finalize all my emails and and have conversations with chefs uh, while watching the Amazing Race or whatever with my wife. But then. Half of the time is her looking at me, going like, "Could you just put that totally thing down for <laughs> ten minutes so we can just watch the show for totally. a second? Yeah, no, I know the routine. We're going to take a break for sports news and weather, and return with Adrian from the Main Street Project to fill us in on how they help Winnipeggers in need each and every day. Back with the main ingredient in a few minutes.
Welcome back to The Main Ingredient. I'm Kevin Bergen. Before the break, Scott from Three Guys Greens was explaining the technology behind what his company does. And now, Adrian, who is a director at the Main Street Project, is going to fill us in on what they do exactly. So the Main Street Project was born out of just some community members years ago in the 70s um, who needed some place to help intoxicated people who were just on the street. So it was literally two guys driving around vans, picking intoxicated people up and bringing them back to a warehouse to put them on cots. Seriously? Yeah, so that's sort of the inception of how... You know, as a grassroots, we're still a grassroots, we consider ourselves an organization, um, but that's sort of how we got our start. So from that now, we offer a lot of services. So we have the shelter itself, which right. is where we'll be providing the dinner we'll talk about in a couple of minutes. Um, and we provide about 80 mats a night uh, for, it's a low barrier shelter. So if people are still in their substance use, um, they can access our services, they can come in safety-wise, we for sure assess that. But um, we really operate sort of on a housing first model without being labeled a housing first organization in its entirety, which means you provide somebody that safe and secure place to lay and then you work on whatever they need to build their capacity in their lives. So, right, so get them in first, yeah. no matter what. Yeah, no, no matter, matter what condition, what. just yeah. get them in first. And safe. you know, yeah, with this climate, that's uh, that it's has crazy. to be a priority. We have extreme weathers in the summer and in the winter, so we have to have strategies that match that as well. We also have the intoxicated persons area, which is uh, known on the street as the drunk tank, but we call it protective care. Mm -hmm. We see that as sort of an entry point where you're at your lowest. And that being said, addiction also doesn't discriminate. So we see everybody in there from people who are picked up at Jets games and bomber games and concerts to people who you see in the bus shacks downtown, that stigmatized person on Main Street. We also have the detox centers, which is one of only two in the province. Mm -hmm. um, the other one's at Hill Science Center. So it's usually a prerequisite um, and up to a 10-day stay where people can come and we work with doctors to help them detoxify. For some people, it's going into a longer treatment after and for other people, it's just to give themselves a break. We're a harm reduction uh, organization. So we really try and operate in teaching people safer ways to do things if they're still going to do things. Right. So we have clean needle exchange, we have clean rag exchange for solvent users. We do a lot of educational pieces around that. And then we also get into housing, which we have 34 transitional beds for people who come from hospitals, shelter, self-refer. So they can come and they can work with a caseworker and they can have lodging in a semi-private room. Uh, for anywhere from a weekend to a year. We kind of individualize that goal plan and then we identify all the things they want to work on. And with caseworkers and frontline staff, they put those plans into play while still sometimes being in the throes of their substance use. We definitely recognize that substance use and mental health need to go hand in hand. There isn't one without the other. Um, I was saying earlier to somebody that, you know, they're starting to label substance use not as addictions. It's not the fight against addiction anymore. It's actually a substance use disorder. Mm -hmm. So we have to look at sort of the whole holistic piece of, you know, why people are using. You know, I think Scott said earlier, like, you don't just wake up one day and decide that your life's going to change and you're going to use to the point that you lose everything. Mm -hmm. There's usually a lot of intergenerational trauma in Manitoba specifically we have a huge indigenous population that you know is a product of the residential schools which we're still seeing sometimes in our shelter alone we have three different generations of people so when you talk about security and food up north we have a lot of people who migrate we work with the shelters and the Paw and Thompson because we have a lot of people who migrate down here for medical reasons and then end up staying or who you know we still don't have clean water access to a lot of different reserves right in our own province so 
they leave reserve and come down to Winnipeg and, you know, know people here, and that's quite often their choice to do that. So that, in conjunction with permanent housing, we have the Bell Hotel, which is located on Main, and it's the only building, housing first full building of its kind. So it's a partnership between Center Venture, who owns the building, Winnipeg Housing, who is the landlord of the building, and us, who provides these services on site, and the Canadian Mental Health Association, who's our partner in tenanting. So applications can come from wherever and people can use in the building and not legally of course because it's not legal to use drugs in general mm -hmm. but it's that housing first philosophy that again you provide that safe secure place to lay your head and you help people create their goal plans from there gotta have a different way of thinking pro providing that service right like i said to you before there's listening to you talk there's different levels yep. of uh of, of poverty and addiction and that kind of thing and a lot of times people's first thing is, you know, clean yourself up, you know, hit rock bottom, clean yourself up, then come back to me and I'll help you. Meanwhile, when you're at your worst, you are super vulnerable if you're sleeping on the street. Absolutely. So you, you need to, like you said, housing first, get them in, and then um, give them what they need, see what they need, right? Yeah. And different organizations have different philosophies, right? So we want people to have that self-determined choice. So for some people, a sobriety-based organization is what they want. They don't want to be around other people who are actively using, which works for them, but there's a set of people who also are not at that point yet. Right. And so there, there's enough agencies out there to address all of those needs in their own way. So we have a really great coordinated partnership with the Salvation Army and Salome Mission because we all work with homeless people but we see we see different faces sometimes we see the same but we definitely cater to sort of a hierarchy even within that homeless population but make sure that we all coordinate to make sure that everybody's getting some level of service For sure um let's talk about the, the connection between you two how did mm -hmm. you two meet how did this event take place and it's funny because you were talking about you know last minute events whereas this event it, i was surprised that you got this event so organized you guys so quickly with so many sponsors so yeah this event actually uh, came out last week on wednesday the management team from southwood uh, volunteered at agape table for a breakfast service and uh, after it i was speaking with my partner with three guys greens about what we could do to help give back to winnipeg as well um, we came up with a couple of different options but uh, being a chef uh, my my partner likes to to lean on that quite a bit and he said well can't you cook something and, uh, and I said well that's my job so I yes I can cook something and how are we how are we gonna do this uh, and he mentioned the Main Street project and all the great things that they're doing there and uh, and how it would be really nice for for somebody to, to show them a little bit of support as well and uh, I like his ball telling you to do something mm -hmm. yes he's he's very good at informing me what I'm going to do um, so it, it did come together quickly. Uh, we started planning last Thursday, um, so about a week and a half uh, of planning towards towards getting this all ready to go. Um, on board, we've already got uh, shawarma con and the green carrot, uh, Cisco Food Services and Gordon Food Services, uh, Southwood Golf and Country Club, uh, Three Guys Greens. Um, there's a couple of other people that are starting to volunteer. We haven't exactly got... Uh, the information as far as there's donations coming in. Um, Jen Lusby from the Futurepreneur Canada uh, has volunteered as some of her entrepreneurs are putting their time and, and some uh, some materials in as well. So we're, we're really surprised at how many people have jumped up, um, especially considering the timeline. Uh, you know, Christmas is next week 
and uh, and and New Year's is following quickly after that. So we we know that it's uh, it's a really short uh, amount of time to get this all put together. Totally, man. Um, so we've got a volunteer schedule, and I'd never had to put one of those together before. So it was interesting to to get everybody on board. So we have a, a prep team, and we've got a transportation team, we've got a food service team. Um, and, uh, if, if everything is, is good in this world, I'll have somebody to help me clean the dishes up after <laughs> it's all said and done. Uh, so it is going to be on December 30th at the main street project. Uh, we're hosting a dinner for approximately 80 people. Uh, the main street has been generous, uh, main street project's been generous enough to donate the, the turkeys that, uh, that I'll be cooking for that. Um, and Cisco and GFS are, are providing, uh, produce for, for it as well. Um, and we'll be cooking most of it out of Southwood Golf Course's kitchen out, out in St. Norbert, and then we'll be uh, transporting it over on, on Saturday night. Uh, Big Daddy Taz is going to be in attendance. He's going to volunteer as well as, uh, I imagine, crack a couple jokes here and there. Yeah, here and there. So we'll see, uh, <laughs> we'll see how that goes. I'm really, really excited about that. Uh, was just kind of a long shot to, to send him a message to see if he's interested and... It was like almost by the time that I was done rereading the email that I sent because I must read the emails I send twice after I send them. I do that all the time. It's like it's and, too late now, so why yeah. bother? So why bother? Exactly. But it, I hadn't even got through it again, and he would responded. He said, I'm in. Just tell me when and where. I'll take an apron. I'm good. So it was a really good feeling to know that, uh, that there's so much support for this event. Back with more from the Main Street Project when the meeting greeting returns in a minute. with Adrian from the Main Street Project and Scott from Three Guys Greens talking about the dinner they are organizing for the residents at the Main Street Project. And I know firsthand how hard organizing uh, organizing events is, so with such little time, how have you guys done it? When we were talking about it last Thursday, I thought I was going to be doing it all by myself. Mm -hmm. um, and I had no problem doing it because I, I do that regularly. But to have these people that are they're going to put their time, uh, this is all personal time right now. They're all volunteering on their own time. And it's all uh, right now is family time for most people. So they're they're taking time out of the the time with their families to come and and do this and and to support Main Street Project and to support the uh, the organization and what they're doing there. So I'm really happy with with the turnout so far. For sure, uh, Adrian. How do you think your your residents are going to receive it? I think it's really I think it's really important just to know too that like it's really. It's really easy to help. Like, it's really easy. Like, people, I think, think you have to go to these great lengths to plan big dinners and stuff. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Sometimes it's just even dropping off a can of coffee. Right. And when you look at sort of like how small Winnipeg is, like, they estimate that there's 1,300 people who experience homelessness. And that doesn't count people who are couch surfing, people who are living with family, and people who we call rough sleepers, because some people just don't want to access shelters. So that pod in Winnipeg, right, and compared to our overall um, population, it can be quite small. But so I work at Main Street Project as a director. Scott's partner is actually my brother. So that's oh, one layer. Yeah, yeah. So from that, sometimes you just put a call out, like quite often because social media as well is so um, easy to access right now. Right. We'll post something, somebody will post something. Now the posts have been shared 30 times. Now other people hear about it. Like it's really quite incredible how if somebody has two hours of their time or a can of coffee or just wants to come down, like how 
involved people um, or how willing to be involved people are. So to me, I see this all the time. So I'm really happy to be working with um, with Scott in the group because the response that they're getting from just even their immediate circle is really how change is inspired, right? It doesn't mm -hmm. have to be these giant movements. It can just be people banding together with what they have and what they can do with their own skills to create change. Right, and collectively, it's a big movement. Yeah. Right, everybody's doing yeah. it in and, small movement And parts. we're in the business of food security, right? Like, as well as with housing, your your food security is also something that drives people. It's that, it's that meal that keeps them going. Um, we're not funded. For food so everything we do we have partnerships with winnipeg harvest we have wonderful community organizations coming in to do this we have people who have come in to do big community dinners mm -hmm. as well as dinners is what we're doing it for the people who are booking in for the night right. so generally what happens is people book in at seven o'clock and at eight o'clock we try and provide some sort of small food because it's a captured audience of people who are there and in for the night ready to sleep on a mat so this is actually pretty special because i don't think we've done a dinner of this magnitude mm -hmm. at crash time we've done it for the full community and had lineups outside and kind of had that turnover at table but this is specific to people who are coming in that night to sleep and so mm -hmm. i think um I think people are very thankful every time they access food. Like we also run a food bank, which again, like people sign up for and like food security is a huge, huge issue. So Scott's business and, and what we do every day are very uh, themed and like-minded right, in terms hand of hand the hand importance. Yeah. yeah, That's awesome. Um, let's give some basic information where people can get a hold of you, how they can donate if they want to, and not just donate money, right? They can donate their time, whatever, like you said. Sure, sure. So right. the best way, the best way to donate, um, if it's money, if it's monetary, which is not always what we ask for, but we do have the Main Street Project webpage, which is Main Street Project at www.mainstreetproject.ca, and we have a donate button there, and yep. you can donate in many ways. We also have a volunteer access on there um, with our volunteer coordinator, who is uh, Lisa Hunt, and our um, community development person who is Cindy Titus and they field all of the physical donations and they're in charge of our clothing room and how we disperse jackets and boots uh, we want to remind people at this time it's great to donate everything but specifically we're looking for seasonal items like mm -hmm. jackets coffee um, sugar whitener boots we can't really use that summer stuff right now so right. we appreciate when people are cleaning out you know their garages and their but but right now we're looking specifically for seasonal stuff so you can also call the main street project at 9828229 and there's a prompt that'll get you through to those people but everybody's pretty you know we're on facebook we're on instagram there's there's tons of way to just reach out and say love to drop off can of coffee love to come play cards with somebody love to come do some art like there's tons of opportunity um, for people to share their gifts with our community members. Is it it's is it too late to for companies to contribute if they wanted uh, to? to this it's event? not too late. As if uh, we would, we'd definitely look and see what what they were prepared to offer, and and we would coordinate with Adrian if there was anything that could be used in in the future that we wouldn't be able to use for this event. Mm -hmm. uh, ThreeGuysGreens.com is our is our website. There's a contact form there. You can get through uh, to either Adam or myself. Uh, you can email Scott at ThreeGuysGreens.com. Uh, we have our Facebook, we've got our Instagram as well, if you're interested in contacting us through social media. Um, People can use those, like restaurants can use that if they want to actually get in and, exactly. and get products Exactly. Info too, right? at Three Guys Greens is the best way to get a hold of us and we'll just send you uh, our, our product guides and all that kind of stuff. Uh, for the most part, uh, we go we go through our Facebook and Instagram is is the 
number one way of, of contacting us uh, regularly. We find that most people these days are using the social medias to, to do it that way. I appreciate you coming. Appreciate being here. Appreciate oh, the time. Happy holidays. All right, awesome. I hope everyone at the Main Street Project enjoys that dinner. It sounds like a really great event. That made me wonder what other people around here are doing for dinner at 680 CJOB. So being the nosy guy I am, I asked. Hi, Shadow here. What are we doing for Christmas dinner this year? Well, the same thing we do every year. We're heading to Lisa's sister's place out in St. James to enjoy some fantastic turkey and gravy and potatoes and all the trimmings that come with it. Get together with family and open some presents and have some drinks, play some games, and wait for the inevitable argument to start about whatever is going on in the news these days and and how different people perceive it differently and this point of view and that point of view. Oh, I can't wait. It's going to be so much fun. Merry, (laughs) Merry Christmas, everybody. My name is Christian O'Mell, and this year I will be having Christmas dinner in Owen Sound, Ontario at my mom's house. We will be having turkey dinner as we always do. It's the tradition there. When it comes to Christmas dinner, trust me, I love to eat, and Christmas dinner is awesome because I get to eat a lot of food, and I just love my mom's stuffing. I'm a bachelor living in Winnipeg. My parents live in a different province. I don't get to have big feasts very often, so when I get to go home for Christmas dinner, you bet I'm stuffing my face with as much as I possibly can and a lot of desserts, too. I'm Jeff Currier. Merry Christmas to one and all. I hope 2018 brings nothing but good things to everybody. For Christmas dinner, we have Christmas dinner at home. Gather the family around and... Have the Christmas turkey feast with all of the extra trimmings with ham and meatballs and all the rest of that sort of thing. And my beautiful wife, Jan, does a spectacular job on it every year. Hi, it's Hal Anderson. My mom and sister are celebrating Christmas in Alberta with other family. Jackie and I will spend the day with her mom and brother here. There's a big debate this year. Usually we tie two big turkey breasts together and roast them. But Jackie says there's too much left over. Really? Can there ever be too much turkey left over? I'd eat those turkey sandwiches for the rest of the year if I could. Jackie is threatening to roast a chicken instead. We'll see who wins. Who am I kidding? We're having the chicken. Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. Merry Christmas, everybody. It's Julie Buckingham from the news here on 680 CJOB. The big question, who am I having for dinner? Seems like an easy one. Uh, I'm guaranteed to have nine. Could be as many as 15. As for what's on the menu, uh, gotta have the turkey, gotta have my sage and apple stuffing, mashed potato casserole, which has already been lovingly prepared and is being stored currently in Mother Nature's freezer, also known as my garage. So mashed potatoes, some chives, some bits of bacon, some cheese that you can mash up and do all of that ahead of time. So when the turkey comes out, you can pop that in the oven and just rewarm it and it's all set to go. And then hopefully, Hopefully, some of the rest of my family members will bring the rest. 
Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. For me, the holidays just mean a time for us all to reflect on the year that's been. Usually we're, we're wishing for it to be over, uh, depending on, on how it's gone. But it really is about spending time seeing the faces of those you don't get to see necessarily every single day and the little ones as they receive their gifts and even the big ones too and just bringing that smile to their face knowing that you spent that time or they spent that time choosing that thing that they thought would bring your life some happiness so I hope you get that one thing this Christmas that brings you happiness. This is 680 CJOB.